I'm going to start this morning um, in Romans. And I want to lay down a little groundwork um, that this message comes out of love, first of all. Um, but sometimes we have to lose to gain. Um, I'm a sports guy, so I like to put it in sports terms a lot of times. When I went to football camp, well, let me back up a little bit. When I graduated high school and realized that I was going to play college football, I graduated high school weighing 295. I received my summer workout to go to football camp, and I registered in at football camp at 290. We had three practices a day for a solid seven days. So we would practice anywhere from six and a half to eight hours a day. Um, and your body in between times was so physically exhausted and had been beating up that uh, you didn't do a whole lot besides sleep. You scarfed down your food as fast as you can just so you could go lay down just to wake up and do it all over again. During each practice, you weighed in and you weighed out of practice to, to realize how much water you had lost through sweat. And sometimes during one practice, you would lose seven to eight pounds per practice. Um, and then they would give you a guide of how much water you had to drink to replenish before the next practice. But anyway, during that week of practices, I lost 35 pounds in one week. But what they were doing is they were breaking us down physically and mentally so that they could start a rebuild process. And a lot of times we get to that point where God has to break us down to the bare minimum before he can start rebuilding us the way he needs us to be rebuilt. Now, that being said, the lucky few will listen to God when he speaks and do what he wants them to do, and they just continue right on going. Um, that doesn't work for me. I'm a little thick-headed. Sometimes my ears close, and I just do whatever I want to do, and I suffer the consequences, and I back up, and I go do what God wanted me to do in the first place because we've all done that, right? It's the Jonah story. My life is a cycle of Jonah stories because I always end up doing what God wants me to do. It's just a lot of time he has to break me down and i got to get back to the base to realize that I need to listen to God so that he can build me back up and go do the job that he called me to do to start with. Having said that, it would have been a lot easier if I had just listened in the first place. But when we talk about losing to gain, I'm talking about losing yourself. And we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. And it's just been really heavy on my heart that we so much try to identify ourselves. We try to put an identity on ourselves as Christians, as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, as Pentecostal, as atheist, as whatever it is. We try to label ourselves, even though we're thinking it's a good label, but in all that time, we're losing our identity in God. Because first and foremost, I should believe and know 
that I am a child of the king. My earthly name means very little when you start thinking of how you're a child of the king. Brother Bruce always said that I want to get to the point in my life where I start talking to somebody and when I initiate contact and they say, hi, my name is, and you walk up to them and you say, hi, I'm a child of the king. I go by Bruce. But he wants to be identified as the child of the king, and that's where we need to get. That's a struggle I, 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 I have a hard time getting to the point because people want to label, whether it be deacon, church member, pastor, preacher, brother, it doesn't all matter because we are children of the one true king first and foremost. So when we start making these labels, we lose a little bit of what God would have for us, and we gain a little bit more of ourselves. I know a bunch of you, as long as myself, remember that day of salvation, and David talks about it, the day that you were saved and the day that you received Christ in your heart and you started building for the kingdom of God, you were excited about it and you didn't care who you told about it and you didn't care what they said to you because you were living a life for God and that was awesome and that's what you wanted to do. And you were excited about it. And you had a love for God. And you sought to see God in everything that you did. And you wanted everybody around you to see God in everything that they do. Because you're like, man, this is great. Who wouldn't want this? And you're excited. But we lose a little bit of that as time goes on. That excitement kind of fades away a little bit. And you step a little bit farther away from God. And you're walking around doing your own thing. And now all of a sudden you're not seeing God in everything that you do. And you're not looking for God in everything that you do. Because you got a job and you got kids and you got responsibilities. And, and those things are important. And I'm not taking any importance away from them. But we have to remember who we truly are at the core. And that's a child of the king. And so these earthly things that want to take of our time and take of our identity, we have to reel back in. And it's like, well, Pastor, I can't, I can't live a full life for God because i got to have a job and i got to go to the grocery store. And yes, we have to do all of these things, and these things are important for our survival. Don't you think that God knows that? God knows that you have things to do. God knows that you have responsibilities here on earth. But what God wants you to realize and what God wants you to know is that you are His first. He said to seek ye first the kingdom of God and I'll take care of everything else. A lot of people don't quote that scripture. Why? Because they're afraid. I'm afraid to seek God first and let Him take care of my, my finances and my kids and my family and my friends. It's tough for me to lay all that down because I'm fleshly. But at the core, as a child of the king, I know that's where I need to be. And so as we start looking at who we need to be and what we need to be, and as people lose their identity, I am slowly losing my identity because I'm no longer Mason. I'm, hey, Tate's dad, or I'm, hey, I'm Peyton's dad, or hey, aren't you the preacher at the First Baptist Church, or Hey, didn't you do this? Or aren't you a school board member? Or aren't you this? And aren't you that? I'm slowly losing my identity. And that's fine. But I want to lose my earthly identity. I want to lose everything that I'm building here on earth so that I can 
serve a one true God that when he calls me to do something, I've got no tie here on earth that's stronger than my relationship with him, that if he plucks me up out of Gainesville, Missouri, and says you need to go to Detroit because I've got a house up there that needs you because I want you to build that church and I want you to go into the streets and I want you to gather people, I need to be able to do that. And so when I start angling my finances and I start angling my family and I start angling my friends and my thoughts, I have to start angling towards God. We talked about this morning how this things, this stuff doesn't happen overnight and how Asa led a, a battle or an army into battle of 500,000 against 1.3 million and how he got his battle formations first and then asked for God because he already knew that God had sent him there to do it and he knew God would be there. So he assembled his men and he got in formation for the battle and then they're fixing to go in and he says, God, I know you're here. God, I know you're going to be with us and God, I know you're going to take care of this. Who's assembling their army today? Knowing that God is out here and God's going to be wherever he tells you to go. The point I'm trying to make is there's very few of us that are building on the foundation of God, losing ourselves to identify in His name. To be able to do His work when His calling comes upon you. Asa didn't just sit there in times of peace. It said he experienced times of peace because he followed God and he loved God and he sought after God. But he didn't just sit there. He was building the whole time. He was building fortresses and he was building his army and he was building his knowledge and his wisdom and he was gaining a relationship with God. Asa was sitting on top of this hill, but he was still seeking God. He was still seeking God. I know we get down on our knees in the valleys and we cry out to the Lord in the valleys and we're seeking light in all the darkness that this world has to offer in our sins, in our addictions, in our idolatry, in our idolatry. We seek God because we want broke loose from this stuff. But when God cuts the rope and He breaks the chains and we start up that hill, and it's a slow climb because we're still building and we're still fighting. And when we get to the summit and we reach the peak, it's like, yes. And you feel such freedom that you forgot where you came from. We forget that God created us in our mother's womb. We forgot that he knows our name and how many hairs are on our head. Because we start identifying with more things of this world and less things out of this world. I'm going to start reading some scriptures so you guys don't just think I'm crazy. In Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, it says, For I, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I love that verse. Because it's so hard right now. I'm battling these things. I've got this little aspect of sin in my life. Or I've got this little addiction. Or, or my mom just died. Or my brother just died. And it's just a bad time for me. And I'm a little sorrowful. And I need time. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy 
to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We've got so many better things coming to us that it doesn't matter what you're going through now. You focus on what's coming to you because God gave it to you and nobody can take it away from you. It doesn't matter what happens here on this earth. It doesn't matter the amount of suffering that you go through or the amount of addictions that you go through. If you've got God in your heart and you know where you're going, you focus on the promised land and it doesn't matter what happens while you're going there. Do not let this world be your identity but let your identity be in God because this world wants to step in and transform you and it wants to reel you in and it wants you to love it but God says if you love this world you don't love me if you associate with this world you can't accept the things that I would want you to have verse 19 says for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. He's saying, I know that the world's in anguish. I know that the world's hurting. I know that you're hurting, son or daughter. I know what's going on in your life. Don't forget, I created you. Don't forget, I can read what's on your heart. You don't even have to say it to me because I already know. Don't forget that I know. You can't hide nothing from him. That little speck of sin that's driving that wedge in between you and God that's creating your identity... You can't hide it from him. You can't hide it from him. He knows. We've talked a lot about the Pharisees and the clean cup on the outside doesn't do a whole lot of good. You can polish up and you can come to church, but if you're not in line with God and you don't have God in your heart, you're not going towards the hope and the glory that he's talking about. You can make it look good on the outside, but it ain't going anywhere until you get it right on the inside. We talked about strengthening the core of ourselves before we can reach other people. And I think it's very important that we have to lose our earthly identity to gain God's identity. And then we can start building. Because a foundation built upon itself will collapse every time. Kenny reminded me this morning that when you have division, when you have division in a nation, your nation can be right here that you're serving a little bit of sin and you're trying to serve God, it says that nation will not stand. God says you cannot serve sin and serve me at the same time. You either identify with me or you identify with sin. And he said, I gave my son so that you do not have to identify with sin, that those bonds are now broke, that you have the choice live a life for me that you have a choice to call yourself a son or a daughter that you have a choice to inherit my kingdom our identity is important he knows the sufferings of this world in verse 23 it says not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves 
waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That is a promise from God that we can stand on, that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the pain or the heartache or the burdens that you're bearing, that God created everything, and he created you for a purpose that you might follow what he would have for you to do. He knows that we're going to suffer. He tells us that we're going to suffer for his name's sake. But what a glorious time. Paul sitting in prison, being beaten, was like, what a glorious this time is. And he had his mind right. And he identified with the Lord. And he was able to break the walls down. And he sat there and he sang with his brother in Christ. And more were saved that night. Amen. It's a matter of what your focus is. Who are you identifying with? Are you allowing your problems and your troubles to create your identity? Or are you creating identity in God as you walk through your troubles? We have the option to choose either. We can allow this world to create our identity. Or we can find our identity in Christ. And we can go change this world. I heard a pastor say one one time that, There was too much of the world getting into the church and not enough of the church getting into the world. I don't think he's talking about a building, guys. It's right here. We allow too much of the world inside of us. We allow too much in. We've got to keep Satan at arm's distance. We've got to keep Satan out of our life. We have to continually seek God that there's no room for evil to come inside of us. And if it does, it doesn't have a dwelling place there. It's only setting up a tent. Because I believe in a God where I can cast devils. And I've got friends that can cast devils in Jesus' name. And they can pray over me. And this spiritual warfare is already won, but we're still in a battle. Amen? Satan's not going to build a house inside of me. He may have a tent camp, but he ain't staying long. Because I don't identify with this world. I identify above this world. And I identify with a God that loves me. And I want him to have my whole heart. And on that day of judgment, I want him to know me because I knew him. In Luke... Chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23. It says, And he said to them all, 
If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Guys, there's a lot of power in those three verses right there. God is saying, lose yourself. Lose yourself. Lose your identity with this world. Lose your relationship with this world. Drop your idolatry. We create so much idolatry in the church, and we create it in our hearts, and we create things that we want to worship. Yes, God knows we have to have a job, but at that job you can seek God, and you can show God, and you can identify with God at that job. He knows you've got to have it. That's why he allowed you to have it. He knows that you've got kids and that they've got ball and everything else, but you can go to that ball field and you can show God in the way you act and the way you affect other people's kids. I'm not boasting myself up, but coaching Peyton's team this summer allowed me to show more than just that team, who I am and what I represent. Because as I would wait for the other team to get ready or our batters to come up, I would throw grounders to the opposite team. Because I'm there for those kids. Not so that I can win a ball game, but that I can help mold and construct the next generation of good influence. So that I'm not leaving it to chance for somebody else to do it. I want my hands in it because I know my hands raised to God and that's who I serve. I don't know where my neighbor's hands come from. I don't know what they've been doing. I love it when I know somebody else that's coaching down there or somebody else that has something to do with kids worships the same God that I do and that they want to raise the next generation up in the same way that I want to raise them up. Because not everybody out there is in it for my kids and not anybody out there is in it for their kids. That's why we... We have to align ourselves. We have to identify in God and take on his identity so that when we go out and we do these things and we show up to our kids' recitals and we go to our our teacher meetings and things like that, that we can show God wherever we're at. That we can show this world that we don't belong to you. Your ties don't bind us here because I serve a God and I live under a different set of rules than you do. That doesn't make me better than you, but I can show you what living a true life of freedom is all about if you'll just give me a moment of your time. If you'll just give me a moment of your time, I can show you what God has a love for me, and I can show you the grace and the mercy that he's had on my life because testimony that God has blessed you with through some of the darkest times helped build somebody else. We shouldn't hold those things to ourselves as only self-gain. But we have to choose our identity. When you go to work in the morning, you have to choose what your focus is going to be on that day. You have to choose how to react to situations. And it's easy to overreact. 
And it's easy to show more of this world. But it is a godly thing whenever you can step up in a bad situation because you got your head right this morning. When it was laying on the pillow, you started talking to God and you got your mind right. When you got in the shower, you were praying the whole time you were in there. And when you got yourself a little bite of breakfast, you were praying over that food. And you were praying for your kids to go to school that day. And you prayed on your way to work and you worshiped because you got a Christian song on. And you got to work and guess where your mind was at? It wasn't even at work. You were focusing on God and guess who's going to be there? when you're focusing on him God is going to be there and you can show him and every person that you come in contact with I don't care what you do for a living I don't care what you do for a living it doesn't matter my wife is regulated by a silly government of what she can and what she can't say but I will guarantee you that every kid in that high school knows what she stands for and they know where to go if they've got a problem and they're seeking that solution This government, this world cannot regulate us. And it said they took God out of school. Well, I don't believe that's true because when my wife goes there and Annette goes there and Tony and my kids and Jim and Brenda's kids and every other kid in here that's in church this morning, they take God with them. God may not be with your kids, but he's with mine because my kids take him there. And I know my wife takes him there for your kids. Because that's what teachers can do. They can take God into our public schools for other people's kids. It's amazing what we can do when we choose to identify ourselves in God versus choosing to identify ourselves in this world. I had a very harsh reality of a conversation at Pyland with the seniors. I got up there to speak and not a whole lot of them was paying attention and I didn't get much of a response when I asked a question. And it's tough as teenagers, I understand, but I want them to know the importance of the decisions that they're making. I told them, I said, this may seem silly now. We were talking about the salt of the earth and we were I was teaching them about communion and foot washing and things that the church does and why they do it. And we were starting with the education of that process. And they weren't listening. And I grabbed their attention, I think. I hope I did because I, under, I tried to help them understand the importance of what is happening and what they are learning. By telling them they're not always going to be in this ideal situation. You're not always going to be sitting in a church not choosing to listen. Soon you're going to be out on your own and you're going to be making your own choices and your own decisions and they have consequences. Your choices and your decisions have consequences. And I said, there is no middle ground. I don't know if any of you realize it, but there's no middle ground with God. He says, you're either for me and you're working for me and you're doing good things and you're listening to me and you're walking in stride and you're seeking me or you are against me. You can't be halfway. There's no teeter-totter. Our church is building a teeter-totter so that a lot of people can sit on a fence and think they're okay. They're not okay. I'm going to read from Revelations because I love you guys. And I don't want anybody going home in doubt of what the Bible says and what Scripture tells us and what God is trying to tell us. 
In Revelations 3, starting in 14, it says, Unto the angel of the church of the Lodiceans, write these things, saith the Amen, the fruitful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I will spew thee out of my house. I can tell you one thing. Hell is hot and there's a lot of people going there. Because it says many will enter. Many people will say, Lord, I called on your name. And he says, I never knew you. And it crushes him. And it hurts him because he wants his people to know that he loves him. And he wants people that don't know about him to love him. And that's where we come in. And we can inject this fire and we can inject this sense of security because we identify in our God. Because we started a chain. We can have an effect on everybody else around us. But we can't choose to serve this world. You can't choose to serve sin anymore. You've got to make a decision. There is no teeter-totter, this false sense of security where, oh, I'm doing all right, I'm in church, and, and I pray once a day, and I, I, just, I feel like I'm all right because I do good things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you do good things for 30 years of your life because you can never do enough good things to outweigh the bad things of this world. You have to know. You have to know that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and that I'm going to heaven. There's going to be a lot of people going to hell, but I ain't riding that crazy train because I'm here to serve my God and I know God and I walk in God's shadows and what He wants for me and I listen to Him and He's the one I seek in good times and in bad times because He is my God and that's who I am because I identify with my God. I want to be known as a son or a daughter of God. I want to be an eternal heir. But we've got to learn how to identify because the church is identifying with a lot of different things that ain't godly. And I'm not talking about the church in this building. I'm talking about the church inside of us that carries the Holy Spirit wherever we go. It's tough, guys. It's tough, but there's an urgency. We are living in a dying world where it says many are going to hell. Many. It says few are going to make it into heaven. But we can choose to show God in everything that we do today, and we can choose to show God in everything that we do tomorrow, and it doesn't matter what our workday is like because I'm not going to identify that. that. I'm going to identify with the God that I love and a God that loves me, and that's who I'm going to be. It doesn't matter what happens or how it happens or when it happens because I'm living for a God that loves me. And in those times where the world feels like it's beating me down, I know that God is doing a work inside of me that I'm going to be better on the other side because he tells me that he does things for my good, that he says and does things that I could follow and that I could be better. All these things, God, why me? Why is this happening? 
can turn into, God, what are you trying to show me? God, where are you trying to take me? God, what are you trying to build? What are you trying to teach me? It's all about where your mind's at. We got nothing to fear. Once we choose a life for God, we got nothing to fear. Death does not have control over us anymore. Because when I die, strike me dead right here. I'm going up. I've got good things coming to me. The glory of the Lord, he's going to set a crown on my head, and he's going to say, son, welcome home. I'm going to be like, woo, I made it. (laughs) It's going to be exciting, guys. But while we're here, we have to choose who we're going to serve. Are you going to serve this world, or are you going to serve God? Because there's no in-between. You can't be neutral. You can't say, I'm just going to serve myself. And by saying, I'm going to serve myself, you're saying, I'm going to serve this world, and I don't identify with God. So who are we serving today? Who did we come here seeking this morning? If you came here to listen to me, I'm sorry. If you came here to find God, I think you're in the right place. But I'm going to ask you this question out of love because I've had to dig down deep and ask myself this question. If while you're praying and you're having a conversation with God and you find it hard to surrender yourself and you find it hard to say, God, not what I have, but what you would have for me. God, if that means changing jobs. God, if that means selling our house and moving to a place we don't know. God, whatever it is that you would have for me. Not my will, but your own. Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, not because he wanted to be there, but because he was praying to God, saying, God, this is hard but not for me, for you, whatever you would have. Guys, I've been in this spot. I prayed for years that God would use me, but my heart wasn't there. And God knew that. So I ask you today, if you find it hard to say, God, whatever you would have, and mean it, because God knows if you're blowing smoke, He knows if you're ready to be used and he knows if you're willing to be used and he knows if you're willing to go and by what means you're willing to get there. But if you have a hard, hard time devoting yourself to that question and that kind of turnover, I ask you to just take some time of reflection and say, I'm not there. How do I get there? God, I want to be all in for you. I don't want to identify with this world anymore. I'm getting sick and tired of it telling me that I'm not good enough, that I'm ugly, that I'm too skinny, that I'm too fat, that I'm too tall, that I'm too short. God, I don't care about that. I want to live a life for you. God, wherever you would have me to go, here I am, your servant. Guys, that's where we have to get to. If you're having a hard time getting there, join the crowd. But we can get there together. We can support each other. We can lift one another up. If you're having a hard time of letting some sins go in your life, 
Find somebody that you have trust in, that you know is walking a life with the Lord and confide in them and share that. And then you have an accountability partner. Guys, this is important because we have to strive for that. We have to be getting there because Satan wants to tell you that you're the only one with that problem. You're the only one living in that sin. Everybody else at your church is doing good. Look at round. But I can tell you that there's a lot of shiny cups here that are still dirty on the inside. That's okay, guys. But we have to realize that we're dirty on the inside. We have to start addressing these problems and not running away from them. David didn't have a backup plan. He grabbed his stone and his sling and he ran forward. There was no retreat in them. Asa with his army didn't have a backup plan. When Abraham went to get Lot, he didn't have a backup plan. When Elijah got Elisha, he got rid of his farm equipment or broke it. He didn't have a backup plan, guys. We don't need a backup plan because we've got the perfect plan. That's the plan that God has for us. It's the perfect plan. We're going to open up the altars. If you have a hard time with that question, if you have a hard time saying, God, I'm all in, you're not the only one, don't let Satan deceive you, but find somebody with the same struggles as you and relate to them and you can help each other defeat the battle. I used to have an addiction and I found a brother in Christ that I shared it with on the second day of meeting him because God set up the appointment with this man. And he said, I struggled with the same problem 20 years ago and I can help you. But God put a comfort and a peace in our relationship that we could confide in one another because God knew I needed somebody. I needed an earthly man, a godly man that was living his life for the Lord to help pluck out my sin, to help hold me accountable, that wouldn't burp me like a baby and say, it's going to be okay. He looked at me and said, it's going to be hard, and you're going to fail, and you're going to stand back up, and you're going to go at it again. And every time that you say no to sin, you're saying yes to God. And it's a slow build. He said it took me five years to overcome the same sin 20 years ago. You're not the only man. It's embarrassing, yes. But the first thing that you did right was admitting that you have a problem and asking for help. I didn't ask him for help. I asked God for help and he sent me him. Seek God first. We don't seek the advice of people around us. We talk to God and we allow God to put somebody in our life. God has developed me and Misty's relationship so that we can be that for one another in certain areas. But Misty can't answer every question that I've got. And I can't answer all of hers because she's a woman and I'm a man and we have different roles. And so she gets in contact with other sisters in Christ. And I get in contact with other brothers in Christ because I know that they think the same way as I do and that they can help me. But we have to get over this fear that I'm the only one that has sin in my life in this church because everybody else looks so good and looks like they've got it all together. We had this exact conversation this morning. How well does God knit things together to bring it to our attention, to stop polishing the outside and get the inside clean? This is important. This outside don't look too good, but I'm working on the inside. 
Because when God goes in and fills up and starts overflowing, he starts to come out. And that's perfection. That's what we need to strive for. We need help, guys. You're not better than anybody else in this room. You're not any worse than anybody else in this room. We're all here seeking a God that loves us because we have problems. And we're a mess. But we know that we need help. That's the first step is walking through these doors and saying, I need help. And I can't do it on my own. I need help and I can't do it on my own. That first step can be today. We don't have the normal altar benches, but we got pews. You could pray from your seat. If you want somebody to pray with you from your seat, just raise your hand. We'll look around and we'll find somebody that needs prayers, that needs a life change this morning because they've been identifying with this world far too long. Brother, identify with this church. Well, that's great that you can identify with the building, but I want you to identify with God first. It's great to have somewhere to go and a nice building to be in. But if you ain't got God, it don't matter. This life is hard, but God has us if we'll let him. The altars are open, guys. If you have problems with the question that I ask, pray for it. Pray for guidance. Pray for strength. Seek God. Less of me, more of him. Less of this world, more of him. God, show me where you want me to be. You took the first step this morning by saying, I'm going to go to church today because I need something more than what I can do. Finish what God's put on your heart this morning. If you need to come to the altar, come to the altar. If you need to rededicate your life, rededicate your life. If you want to step up for the first time and you say, God, I need you because I can't do it on my own. I am seeking to be part of the family that they keep talking about. Today is the day. We learned Friday at that wreck up 5 North that life can happen so fast. A couple coming down here to go on vacation and a kid driving home. No more. doesn't mean we're going to make it home today, guys. The important part is that you can know where you're going. If you don't make it home, you get to go home. The altars are open. Thank you all for today. I can feel the stirring of the spirit. I get excited about tonight. Because if it's starting this early, just think of the manifestation by tonight. Because I know that there's people praying and adding to it and wanting it to evolve and wanting it to build. And good is a snowball effect just like bad is. And so when we start that good ball rolling, we start that godly ball rolling. As it rolls by, we're all adding to it. And we're doing different things. And it's going to be great. I feel it. I guess I'll let you guys go have a little break before we come back tonight. Brother Bob Robbins, would you mind dismissing us in a word of prayer?